Welcome to the Jenny Katrin Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Well, hey, everyone, back today with uh, my guest, Matt Brown. Matt is a husband and dad, evangelist, author, and founder of Think Eternity. And Matt has a new book coming out this April, so you guys are getting a little bit of a sneak peek of his new book called Truth Plus Love. And I was just telling Matt that he's one of those people that I really appreciate because uh, in the few times we've connected, we, we probably talk more online than we do in person, but Matt just has this generosity of spirit and uh, just a kindness that I am really grateful for when we're talking about people who... Uh, just value the importance of influencing others and understanding what that looks like. So Matt will kind of talk a little bit about that today. We'll hear about his book, but um, Matt, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's such an honor to join you and uh, what a great podcast. I'm again, so honored. And um, yeah, same, same back to you, you know, just so grateful for what you're doing and for, um, how you're helping so many people, your leadership stuff, your books, and um, you. this podcast, of course. And so, man, I'm just excited to just to be chatting with you today through it and to um, hopefully add some value to some people today. That's fun. Looking forward to it. And I, I'd love for you to just go ahead and dive in and tell us about Truth Plus Love, your new book. You've actually written, uh, co-authored like seven books. Isn't that right? Yeah, this is my eighth. And um, Co-authoring is a little bit, depends on how many co-authors there are, right? But some of those have been a little bit easier than others. Um, Co-authoring actually is, is I mean, it, there, it, that's the collaboration of that isn't easy, though. I mean, it's awesome to work with people, but it just creates more complexity than writing your own sometimes. It does. It's a little different, but I'm just, you know, um, so grateful, obviously, to have been part of some of those and just so excited for this one. I feel like in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a life message that Mm -hmm. I've been experiencing in my own life for probably about five or six years. Um, it's just been weighing on my heart. And I've had that sense through that time. Like, I can't not write this book. Um, I just have to share this. And um, really what it has been for me is uh, I grew up in a strong Christian family here in Minnesota, uh, near the Twin Cities and in the suburbs here. And my parents weren't in ministry, but always just very involved serving at the church. And that was a lot of where our community was. And then went off to, to Bible college um, in downtown Minneapolis to a small Bible college there and, and began to do ministry. And now I've been doing that about 17 or 18 years uh, as an you know, evangelistic ministry, sharing the gospel with as many people as we can. And I think along the way, though, along that journey somewhere, I got the wrong idea of what like, spiritual maturity looks like. Uh, mm -hmm. what it is. And so I, you know, got the wrong kind of conclusion somehow that it was like intensity and how much maybe you pray fast and witness wow. and not that anything's wrong with those things. Um, but it, what has really opened up my heart in recent years has been the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 20, 5, 22 and 23, which, um, you know, which we all know, which is love and joy and peace, patience kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And so just this idea that like, if we grow in those things, like we are naturally going to become more influential with the people around us, hmm. like starting with our own spouse, starting with our own children right, and moving on to the relationships, our team who's closest to us. Obviously, I just feel like uh, along this process, God was just like opening my eyes to something in a really profound way. 
that, you know, if you think about it, who doesn't want to be around somebody who has a lot of love, you know, right. obviously we're both thinking of Bob Goff right now. And, and who doesn't want to be around someone with a lot of joy and a lot of kindness and gentleness. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's where we see some uh, pastors, uh, for instance, or leaders of organizations whose influence kind of gets off the rails at some point is because, you know, they were really talented, really yeah. gifted, yeah. but they didn't, uh, they didn't kind of have this, just this simple thing. And it sounds so simple, like so basic going back to kindness, right? Uh, back to gentleness, but I think they're powerful traits. And so obviously I, so in the book, I write actually chapters on each of those mm-hmm. and how we can get back into those, how we can grow in those, how we can remove obstacles, for instance, from joy in our lives. Cause yeah. you know, you become a Christian and you're immediately filled with just this enormous amount of joy. <laughs> like you're just excited about life. But we can lose that over time. And the Bible kind of talks about that, that like things can kind of get in the way of our joy. And so how do we get back to joy and grow in that? And so I kind of walk through those. But of course, balancing that with truth, because as a believer, uh, you know, we're, we're walking by and we believe, um, obviously, that God's word has a whole lot of power in our lives. And the message about Christ has a whole lot of power in our lives. And so, you know, even if you're not a believer listening, I mean, for me as a believer, coming to that faith in Christ is just, I've just experienced the power of God in my life in a profound way. And so as, from the believer perspective, we need both truth and love, you know, we need, right. uh, and it's a balance and it's like a tension that I don't know that we can ever quite get exactly right, but like mm-hmm. we need to kind of keep working at both. Um, and, you know, one great passage on it is first Corinthians 13, which isn't just for weddings, but right. the weddings that just says like, if we, you know, if we are, you know, giving all our money away, if we're like, um, you know, if we have an enormous amount of faith and we're doing all these amazing things, if, you know, uh, even if we have all that, but we don't have love, we're just a clanging gong, you know, we're, right. we're just a noise. And in our culture these days, we have a lot of messages flying from all angles around us. Um, you know, we got, a, we got a lot of advertisements, for instance, during the Super Bowl recently that are right. promising the world for every, you know, if you buy this product, you will, everything mm-hmm. in your life will be right again. So we, we have a lot of hype around us and we have a lot of noise around us. And, you know, we can't just speak truth. What we believe as believers is truth louder to the culture around us. We need to, we need to walk in, in kind of the fruit of the spirit and love, and that will give us influence for the truth. And so that's kind of where I was going with it. And again, it was just this profound kind of personal journey um, Mm -hmm. that I'm most definitely, I will tell you right now, not perfect at at all. Um, But I just feel like so hungry for more of that in my life um, to really grow in these areas. Cause I, and, and, it's so important, I think, as a leader, by, for the, by the way, to not be a fatalist, mm-hmm. you know, like if, thing, if, we're, if we're struggling in any area of our leadership or any area of our personal life or personal growth, we can just feel like, well, nothing I do is making a difference. And that's never the reality. The reality is that we that's can good. set habits, we can take steps, we can become better in different areas of our lives. We can become better at, for instance, how we love our families. We can become better at how we lead our teams. And so um, even at times when things aren't, don't seem to be moving like we want, which by the way, that in, when it comes to our faith, spiritual growth, like mm-hmm. most of the time we're not moving as fast as we want. That's, that's the reality of, of yeah. spiritual growth is that we feel like we stink at it. And so, um, but we can, we should never become fatal. So we can take steps and we can move okay. forward in whatever area of lives we need to. Yeah, I love that. I love, and we didn't talk about this ahead of time. I love that you used the fruit of the spirit as, you know, kind of an 
an anchoring component of this book because I think, you know, it's funny, you know, as I think about, you know, I, I, uh, came to faith pretty early on. I was like eight years old when my family came to faith. And so, you know, I dove right into learning, you know, into Sunday school and, you know, learning all the passages and you learn the fruit of the spirit pretty quickly. But it strikes me that, you know, you know, as you look through, as, as you move into your different roles and responsibilities, whether you're pastors or you're, you know, leaders of an organization or um, staying at home with the kids that, you know, whatever that role of responsibility is, how, it is not a default to go, okay, the fruit of the spirit should be evident here. The fruit of the spirit should show up in my leadership. And yeah. I just, I, I, I think that's an important note because I, I don't know if it's kind of to your point about being a fatalist is that it's like, well, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Yeah. Right. You know, like, mm. you know, there's not even room for that, especially for people who are in the marketplace, you know, oftentimes they're like, that would be so unusual in some of the settings that people find themselves in. So I love that you anchor it in that because I think it, I think sometimes the simplest things in scripture, the things we learned earliest in our spiritual journey are some of the things we take for granted. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, and I almost, I almost feel like, um, you know, for, first of all, I just want to say for, you know, why this applies to even a non-believer and even the business is that there's books that have been written in, you know, the last few decades on emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And the whole point was that um, you can have high IQ, but you don't know how to relate well to people and your and that's your EQ. And if yeah. that's low, like you're not going to be as successful as you should be. I actually think this is like, this could be a powerful, like I didn't make it a leadership book, but it could be a powerful leadership book just for uh, business people, uh, no matter if you're a Christian or not, because if you grow in these areas, you'll also be influential. <laughs> like that's right. kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, because if you treat people well around you, it will tend to, uh, you know, just like this whole book on emotional intelligence. And the funny thing is the book on emotional intelligence was written, but like, you know, several thousand years before the Bible had shared about these kind of characteristics, these traits that, are, sound kind of similar to how mm -hmm. you relate well to people around you, how you're able to process the hardships in your life. And so obviously you can learn different things from, from both books, but um, that's where I think it could apply to both. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I just think somehow though, for as believers that there's this like blinder that goes on at some point in your faith where at least it just seems so common to me that people are just like passionate, you know, the people who are the most passionate about the Bible Mm -hmm. are sometimes the biggest jerks, you know? Right. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's like we're, we're missing all. And I've done this at times, you know, I, I feel like I preached people into bondage at earlier stages of ministry before mm -hmm. I was realizing some of this. Mm -hmm. It's like, we are passionate about all the biblical commandments and all these things, but we're not seeing all these scriptures about kindness. Right. Right. And about compassion and about grace and about love. And so it's like, I mean, the Bible is, so full, not only of truth, the Bible is so full of love. Yeah. This whole balance yeah. here. And so it's like, if you want to be passionate about the truth of God's word, you absolutely must be passionate about kindness and gentleness. You mm -hmm. absolutely must. If you're going to be passionate about God, if you're going to be passionate about following him and about his word, then you've got to see, you know, not only the fruit of the spirit, but just over and over and over again, just, just God's heart to, to, for people who need him, who are far from him, who are, making big mistakes and to have grace for the people around you. And for me, one of the kind of, kind of thoughts, I guess, one liners that was rumbling around in my heart during this time was like, how is the world supposed to see the grace of God? 
if the people of God aren't gracious. Mm. And I think graciousness probably sums up the fruit of the spirit in some ways. Um, you know, just, man, we need to walk in grace. And so, and by the way, the reason this has become such a big, I think, important topic, uh, more than even past generations is because we're the first generation in history that suddenly has the internet. And then now, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, there's a little thing that says like since 2006, like these brands didn't exist. You know? uh, yes, like yes. Everything on your phone, including your phone, you know, that didn't exist like before 2006. Right. And so all social media was really coming about at that point. And so it's really been like a decade. Like we're the first generation that is beta testing, that is learning what it means to live our life in the community online and to have all those feelings of comparison and fear of missing out and everything else, all the negatives, but also all the positives yeah. of connecting with people. Obviously you and I become a part of the reason we become friends and are even talking now is because of social media. For sure. And you know, everybody sees Jenny Catrone uh, all over social media and right. um, all of your content and stuff. And you're a really big deal. And so. <laughs> not so true. Not so true. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's my own little world, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And so it's just really, be, you know, what I call it is kind of like we're the first generation to have an online megaphone, you totally. know? So it's like, yeah, without thinking too hard, people will post and will comment on every single thing that's going on nowadays, you know? Every, and, and part of it is we're also really the first generation to have 24 hour news media too, that which is pretty yes. negative, pretty divisive. And it feeds in all these things feed into this idea that we need to respond and comment on every tragedy, on every political problem on everything that we need to have an opinion on it all. And we need to have a well-informed, you know, we need to be able to speak into it all. We need to be able to tell everyone why they're wrong. We also need to be able to tell strangers that we've never met before. <laughs> we'll probably yeah. never meet. Yeah. We need to tell them why we think they're wrong, you know? And so it's become this problem that I think I would just say even, even business leaders um, and, and even uh, leaders and organizations and churches that we need to think about how can we shift the tide here? How can we turn the tide and change the rules of this right. game right now in a way that we say, we're not going to tear people down. We're going to build people up because yeah. that is where you, you know, influence isn't how many followers you have Influence is how you're bettering the lives of the people around you. And so, you know, we can, we can say, I think first it starts by just realizing we've got all these things that are playing into this negative culture we're creating for ourselves in America, right. you know, and I'm assuming yeah. people all over the world experience this in their nations too somewhat. And so we need to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to change the rules. We're going to reset the rules. And that's, it's going to be, you know, for me, obviously I wrote in the book about, it's going to be filtering it through the fruit of the spirit. Is this loving? Is this joyful? Is that, this that was going to, yeah, that was going to be my next question to you yeah. is, you know, we do live in this culture in this generation where we have, you know, we do have all of these digital megaphones. And so, you know, how do we do truth plus love in this context? Yeah, well, it's probably amplified our opportunity for good or for negative. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, if anything, because, again, um, unless algorithms get us, you know, we're speaking <laughs> hundreds or thousands of our friends with everything we say. And so yeah. I would just say we have to be more careful than ever to lift up the positive, you know, there's a Bible verse about whatever things are true and lovely and noble, mm -hmm. good report. Think about these things. And I would even say post about these things, you know, like, like let's, let's uh, make sure that our focus is on the good 
Mm. Because we get, and, and, and it's funny because like, you know, I don't want to tell anyone to stick their head in the sand, you know, like, right. yeah. and like not turn on the TV anymore. Although part of me does want to say that because again, we're the first generation to have this kind of 24 hour news cycle where people are filling the airways with whatever content they can find. And, yeah. and part of it is, is built on like advertisements and getting more people to watch, which, you know, if we make them angry, they'll watch longer and things like that. Here's the thing. Uh, Dave Ferguson writes in his book, um, and I'm assuming you probably interviewed him before. He's an amazing leader and pastor. Fantastic, yeah. And he wrote in his book uh, years ago the big idea that the average person in, uh, like basically he said that the email you get from the New York Times contains more information than the average person from 18th century England would encounter in a lifetime. Yes. So like we have to recognize that while we don't want to stick our heads in the sand, that maybe we are also contributing uh, to our own kind of lack of peace in our lives and in our leadership by, by allowing kind of that, the culture and some of these new things that we have in our, in our society to, to kind of drag us down with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I, I do think there is a time and a point to say, no, I'm not going to be that kind of leader. I'm not going to be, because we are influenced so much by our inputs, you know, uh-huh. we're influenced so much by the friends that we have around us, by the leaders that we're learning from, by the books that we're reading by the podcast, like this one that you're listening to, this will change your life. I just have to say that before I go on this podcast, right? <laughs> will change your leadership uh, for the good. And I actually do believe that um, all that stuff really affects us um, and the people around us affect us. And so in the same way, you know, we just got to be more careful. We got to, we got to kind of rethink this whole thing. Yeah. It's not that we can't watch, but hopefully, hopefully we could even change the media, even if they go 24 hours to be more positive too. Like, Right. Let's talk about the good half as much. I mean, that literally would change our nation. (laughs) So anyways, that's so good. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I do think some of it is snuck up on us. Like, you know, a a number of my friends and I are, are just recognizing we were having a conversation the other day about, like you said, you know, most of the stuff has been around just, you know, barely a decade and, but how much it drives our life and our influence. And like more, more recently, you know, I was kind of paying attention to, the impact, you know, like social media was having on my mood and my attitude. And so one of my like filters that I added, you know, just to my behaviors was to say, when I open up, whether Instagram or Facebook, I'm either opening it up to add something meaningful and to inspire and encourage, or, or, you know, so by way of posting something that, that does that, or I'm going to inspire and encourage, you know, speak into, speak life into something somebody else has posted. But mm-hmm. I was recognizing that if I just scrolled through it, the emotional, like between comparison or, you know, the mm-hmm. sadness over, you know, tragedies or, you know, uh, you know, and everything in between, I was like, okay, yeah. wait a minute. My emotional roller coaster that I get on in relationship to social media is not healthy. And so, but mm-hmm. I think we're just all starting to realize, wait a minute, time out this stuff is impacting me more than I reckon that more than I've even really been consciously aware of. And I've got to be intentional now in how I use it. And that's what I hear you saying is like, gosh, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have such an opportunity to be influencers. Um, and I'm guessing you would say of truth plus love, right. And that we need to be using these tools that, that we have at our disposal to do that more effectively and be more intentional. I feel like in some ways, I see us following the culture rather than trying to help shape and set it and speak love into it. 
Is yes. that, is that yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember, and I actually wrote about this in the book. I remember a pastor, uh, Bobby Scholler, posting this last year, and he said, you know, this this funny exchange where some people were disagreeing on something, and then they apologized to each other, and by the end of the thread, they were like kind of friends at the end of it, and huh. and and somebody said like, oh, they're they're probably Canadians, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Well, in the same way, like I, that would be the dream, you know, that'd be the goal is that people see the way we interact with each other. Uh, they see the way that we're talking about things that are going on and they go, oh, they must be Christians because there's oh, this certain wow. kind of graciousness about it. There's this, I think, yes, that causes us to stand apart from the world, not just being holy, but being gracious mm. uh, causes us to stand apart from the culture, but it also Honestly, if you if we'll be honest about it, the graciousness will draw people to want to be holy, you know, to want to right. go to the truth, to want to hear what the truth is. And so, you know, the Bible says God draws us to to repentance with his kindness in the same way. Like we we draw people when they see the actual the difference it's making kind of in our attitudes and things. And so um yeah, hundred percent. And I, I agree with you about the social media stuff. Like, I mean, that's something I think we all experience in different degrees and levels is that we probably have to be a little more careful of. Like for me, I took a break at the beginning of this year uh, from going on social in the mornings. And instead I wanted to kind of be present with my family Mm -hmm. uh, because otherwise I'll be honest, like once I start going on social because I'm so avid on it, Mm -hmm. once I start going, I'm like sucked in, you know, and I'm, I'm like not paying attention to my family anymore. My, my wife or my, you know, the whole room. And I'm just kind of, work in work because it, it's kind of it's part of like, say it's actually a work, work. tool yeah exactly so, yeah. yeah but you know if you think about it again you know we are really the first generation uh, that is learning like this whole thing like when you scroll through people's posts and people's comments you have all sorts of kind of gut level reactions to you know mm-hmm. some of it might be like why didn't they invite me to that event last night you know mm-hmm. like why did my friends not invite me some of it might be like man, how in the world do they get 10,000 likes on everything they say? You know, like, <laughs> right? I can't get like 2000 likes on anything, you know, um, or, or it might be like, you know, just all sorts of emotions. And the weird thing about that is we scroll through those kind of experiences so fast. And, yeah. and I don't think we necessarily process it all. And I think that that can affect us. For instance, I've noticed with myself, like, if I get a rough, you know, some, some email at work with my work with ministry that like, and is either discouraging or disheartening or frustrating, I'm going to be agitated towards the, you know, my family or the people around me or my team, uh, in my leadership, unless I kind of like process through that first. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times I'll realize when I'm acting out, it's because I haven't processed like something from earlier in the day. And sometimes it is right. a social media post. And so I think it is really important to I don't think we need to throw out social media, but I think it's important to be like maybe a little more thoughtful in how we engage it uh, because I do think it affects our leadership in different ways, but of course it it provides an enormous opportunity as well. So that's just it. I think, you know, I mean, I think we've, I see us kind of swinging a little bit in it. Like all of a sudden we're kind of recognizing, Oh, okay. There's some unhealthy things here. So then, you know, I see us, you know, uh, some people take big social media fast, which I think are all fine. I think the learning for me is I don't see these tools going away. You know, I think they're a part of our culture today. And so as leaders, the self-awareness to go, okay, what I need to be aware of what, you know, what's going on with me as I do scroll or, you know, how much am I letting this impact me? 
you know, and, and, you know, back to your premise of, of the book of truth plus love, it's even a, okay, am I just joining the noise and the negativity or am I speaking love and joy and kindness back into our culture through these mediums? And so I think my, my kind of challenge personally, and I, I, you know, I think this applies to a lot of leaders is the, just to have greater self-awareness around these tools, how they influence us, how we can use them to influence. And it's not just, I mean, cause I think they're here to stay. I don't think they're going anywhere. They might shift or change a little bit, but I think it's part of our culture. And, uh, and I think for us as leaders, the self-awareness around knowing how to use them is so important. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Yes. hundred percent. I sign okay. off on that. <laughs> you sign off on that. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Hey, I want to go back to the book a little bit here. Um, you talk in your book about Henrietta Mears. And yes. as an example of what God can accomplish through individuals who practice truth plus love, I'd love for you to tell us a bit more, a little, a little bit more about her life and impact, if you would. Yeah, I'm so glad you're asking. I'm just absolutely uh, borderline obsessed with Henrietta Mears. My wife I will tell it. you. Yeah. <laughs> so she she lived in the early 1900s. Uh, she was her dad was actually in business. He was a uh, in the banking industry in North Dakota and kind of in the Midwest there. Uh, they, by, you know, early in her life, they had moved to Minnesota and, um, you know, we're going to first Baptist church, uh, there in the twin cities, which is near where we live mm-hmm. now. And, uh, as she got older, uh, actually I think her, her mother's dad was like a pretty famous pastor as well in Chicago. And, uh, so kind of had a little bit of a kind of legacy of ministry and business in her life. And, uh, as she got older, she began to be a high school teacher. Uh, in Minneapolis, and um, also was just a Sunday school teacher, you know, so something as simple as kind of like a mm-hmm. Sunday school teacher, if you think of those in your life, if you went to church when you were young, or a small group leader nowadays might be the term, Yeah. and she was very gifted at it, uh, extraordinarily gifted, and the pastor of the church just absolutely was, you know, just loved her influence in the church, and she actually never married, she was single, uh, Her sister never married either, and so they lived together most of their life. And uh, in her 40s, she took a sabbatical or took a break for a year. And during that time, she had been invited down to a pastor who preached at their church down in Hollywood, California, Southern California. Uh, uh, And he was the lead pastor of Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And he invited her during some of their time down there to come and lead the Christian education department. And so she, um, you know, wasn't sure what to do, ended up just feeling like, yeah, I think this is the right thing, ended up making kind of a midlife change and going down to lead that Christian education department from being a, just a public high school teacher. And um, quickly, I mean, the group was, there's hundreds of young people in the church, but it grew over the time she was there, upwards of like six or 7,000 young people every week that were wow. part of their services, their young adult ministry, uh, their Sunday schools. And she was, she championed Sunday schools really mm-hmm. in, in the country and around the world uh, and had a massive impact on kind of new curriculum and new ways to teach the Bible in ways that people, you know, might be relevant for their lives. Um, she started a publisher during that time. She started a Christian camp in the San Bernardino mountains during that time called mm-hmm. Forest Home. And, you know, she was just a powerful example of both the power of God's word to transform a young person's life, but also um, just the way she loved people, her warmth. And so mm-hmm. she's she's a great example of true plus love. Uh, one of the things, though, is that most people haven't heard of her before, but they've heard of all the young people and all the young leaders that she mentored and poured her life into. 
and uh, some of those you'll you'll probably know Jenny is um, uh, Bill and Bonnet Bright who started Campus mm-hmm. Crusade for Christ. They actually started out of her home wow. and lived in her home. Uh, I think for about twenty or thirty years, it was based out of her house there in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also the the gentleman who started the Navigators, um, the person who started Young Life. Um, wow. Uh, someone who became the chairman of World Vision for 20 years, uh, someone who was the U.S. Senate chaplain for 15 years, um, people who led influential churches around the country. She also uh, had an impact on Ronald Reagan because uh, mm. she would lead like um, actor Bible studies um, wow. for, for like celebrities and influencers down there in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Um, and, and she also had a significant impact and mentorship on Billy Graham. Um, mm. She came down there right before the L.A. Crusade was struggling a little bit with his faith because of a friend and uh, she and another leader poured into him. And a few weeks later was that famous LA crusade where really revival broke out in a significant way and launched him and into, you know, the rest of his life and ministry, which, Mm -hmm. you know, he preached the gospel to more people than anyone in history. So she was just had a huge impact on people. And part of it was her just passion for the word of God. Yeah. And part of it was just the warmth and people just loved her, you know? So anyways, so I guess, again, I could talk for hours about Henrietta Mears, but she she embodies uh, just this idea of what it means to be someone who influences others for the sake of truth and love. Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad. I'm I'm glad I had you spend a minute on that because I think sometimes, again, in our culture, you know, I I heard a statistic recently and I, I, I will butcher it, but the, the essence of it was that the number of people who want to be, you know, an influencer or to be famous compared to what the percentage of that would have been, you know, just even a few decades ago, like uh, how, how we just chase celebrity in spotlight. And what I love about her story is, you know, you see a woman who had significant impact and I love, you know, it's like you said, you know, the truth of the gospel was really important to her, but how she, how she lived that out through her love, her, her warmth and her generosity, um, you know, it was just that beautiful combination of truth plus love. And, but it's a name that a lot of us don't know, but we have all experienced the ripple effect of her influence, right? Yes. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a hundred years, probably less than a hundred years. Um, and well, yeah, you're right. Like 80 years ago, I think was kind of the height of her ministry. Yep. Right. And so, you know, the ripple effect that probably most everybody listening is you rattled off those organizations, Navigators, Young Life, World Vision, you mm-hmm. know, Billy Graham, you know, Ronald Reagan. It's like you talk about the people that she had influence with and how we have felt the ripple effect of that influence. And I think it's just such an important reminder of um, being faithful to what we're called to. And again, it goes back, you know, the core of the gospel, truth plus love and a lot of what you're sharing but, um, but just doing that with integrity in being faithful to where God has placed us and what he's put in front of us, I think is so, so powerful. Yeah. And so, I think it's just for, that for her, what impacts us. Um, Matt, tell us how we can stay connected to you, how we can get our hands on the book and, um, yeah, just, just stay connected to what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm just so thankful to be partnering with Zondervan on the book and, uh, you can, obviously get it wherever books are sold. Trueplusslovebook.com is, is where all the links are. Um, and I'm just at evangelist Matt is my handle everywhere. Um, because Matt Brown is such a common name. It's taken everywhere. So I somehow landed with evangelist Matt (laughs) and still have it. So, uh, you know, on all the channels. And so I'd love to connect with different people, you know, and, and again, I just, one of the things I see from Henrietta and that I just would encourage is just how can you add value 
all the all the leaders around you, all the younger leaders around you. How can you look to give and build them up and open doors? Because that, I think, kind of embodies this whole idea that Henrietta did and, and even what the book is trying to share. So good. Thank you so much for being on. We're so excited to connect and looking forward to getting our hands on the book. So thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you.